Hello, and welcome to On Staging, a community theater-focused discussion podcast highlighting the development and staging of community theater productions in Calgary and the surrounding area. I'm your host, Kyle Gould, and today I'm sitting down with three people from Calgary's oldest community theater company, Workshop Theatre, to talk about their forthcoming production of Agatha Christie's Rule of Thumb. This production is a triple bill of one-act murder mysteries and opens at the Pump House here in Calgary from February 23rd through March 2nd. I'm joined today by the director, Hamish Crawford. This is Hamish's first full directorial experience after co-directing Tiny Tim's Christmas Carol with Workshop in 2022. Hamish is a Cat Award nominee for his supporting performance role in Scorpio Theatre's 2020 production of The Burning Pestle. Jackie Goth Brennan is the president of Workshop Theatre, and while I'm not certain Jackie has spent her whole life with Workshop, the fact that Workshop is 55 years old this year and her own father, Jack Goth, was the president of Workshop leads me to wonder. Nevertheless, Jackie was awarded a Volunteer Cat Award from Workshop in 2008 and is a three-time Cat Award nominee for her work in costume design for Gas and Lights Emma in 2012, Workshop's Persuasion in 2018, and in Stagecraft in 2019's The Lady in the Van. Kathy Buswood, director of White Rocks Players Club's 2018 Staging of Harvey, stage manager for Surrey Little Theatre's production of Sylvia in 2014, recipient of the Community Theatre Coalition Award for Best Production of a Comedy Drama in 2015 for Truth and Reconciliation with Surrey Little Theatre, recipient of the CTC Award for Best Director of a Comedy Drama for Dracula the Bloody Truth with the White Rock Players Club in 2020, you have spent a lifetime in theatre with your husband and children, and I have to ask before we kick everything off, what prompted the move to Calgary that has given community theatre here the gift of your experience and talent? Well, thank you very much. My daughter and son-in-law got a job here in Calgary two summers ago now, and they said, Mom, come with us. And it took me a long time to figure it out if I was going to go or not, because I was leaving behind a very large theatre family. But I decided to because they have my only grandchildren. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'm going home to Alberta then. So I came home to Calgary, being from Lethbridge, but there's family I have all the way through the province. That's amazing. I don't doubt that Jackie and Hamish are very glad to have your expertise amongst us now too, but I think Calgary Community Theatre in general will be very much pleased to have someone with your vast knowledge and experience join us. However, Kathy and Jackie, I don't know if you know this, but I do, and I don't have a question associated with it, but I'm just going to bring it up. You are both the youngest child of four. There's no question there, but that is... you research, don't you? I try. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, no questions, just uh, acknowledgements. Hamish, are you the eldest? I'm the elder child. Eldest of... I've got a... a, Just two. Just I have a younger brother, yeah. All right. Just eldest of two, but that's kind of cool. Youngest of four. That's interesting, yeah. So... Let's talk about Rule of Thumb. It's coming up at the Pump House here. What is it all about? It's, as you said, three one-act plays. And it's actually kind of an interesting story because two of the plays, uh, The Rats and The Patient, were written in 1962 as part of a triple bill of Agatha Christie plays called Rule of Three. So, you know, three plays, right? And what they've done with this one is they've taken out the middle play, uh, Death in the Afternoon, and then they've replaced that and tacked on a uh, Hercule Poirot play 
from 1937, The Wasp's Nest. So uh, you've got two standalone plays from the 60s, and so it's kind of later period Agatha Christie. So I think the difference in tone is really what's interesting about the three of them, because the rats and the patient are a little more misanthropic, and there's a bitterness to them that's, uh, that's quite interesting. The characters are more at each other's throats in a kind of very, uh, a way that would have been quite contemporary. Uh, so, so basically the thing, the first play, uh, you have two characters who uh, meet up in a London flat and uh, they quickly learn that the rendezvous that they thought they were coming for is not what it seems. So that gets, that spirals out of control for them. And then uh, the patient is about a person who has suffered a mysterious accident or was it? They're, they're in a hospital, and the four people who were in the house when she suffered the accident have been gathered, and uh, a doctor and an inspector have rigged up a special apparatus to help the patient tell the truth of what happened on that day. And then The Wasp's Nest features Hercule Poirot, the famous Belgian detective who is in many of Agatha Christie's other books and uh, short stories. Uh, he comes to visit a friend of his, and there's a wasp's nest in his garden, and it quickly becomes apparent that Poirot knows a little more about the situation than he let on, and uh, is is there to try to stop a murder before it happens, rather than afterwards. That's, that's them all in a nutshell. Perfect. And is there anything about these three shows that you think is different from what Hamish said? Because everybody has their own unique perspective on on what the show's about. I think he nailed it bang on. Yeah, I think he's pretty close to... Uh, mm-hmm. I wish he'd told me that in the beginning before we started. <laughs> Isn't that always like the director's passing down of the vision? This is what we're going for here. So how did all three of you come to be involved in this production? And maybe Jackie, you might want to tell us too. How did this production and the team get built? And when did all of that happen? We started a year before to look at our season as to what we're going to put on. And we decided that it would be a good idea to do some Agatha Christie. So we started looking into some that would have, and I always say his name wrong, Hercules Praro. And when we were looking at those, we discovered that there was this trilogy that had him in it, but had some other stuff as well. And who's we? The board of Workshop Theatre. So is that everyone on the board? Or is that just a smaller group of the board? Well, that's the executive board. Yeah. Yeah. So we get together and discuss as to what the plays are going to be. And does that happen over coffee at someone's house? Or do you end up like in a formal setting at workshop theater? How do you make a decision there? We normally do that like through our board meetings and emails and then discussions, you know, maybe just outside of the board meeting. But it's something that we look for more in in this fall, I guess, once we've started up a season to be looking as to what the next season's going to be. Okay, so this was fall of 2022, I'm guessing, that you started the discussion, yes. started looking and thinking, what's what's 2023, 2024 going to look like? It's going to be a year from now. And somebody suggested Agatha Christie, or was that you? Honestly, I can't remember exactly <laughs> who fair. it was. No, that, no, it never does. But, you know, in the discussion as to what kind of plays, we just decided that it was a good draw. It's one that people enjoy, and you can get people out to it because there's, you know, quite a quite a little following of Agatha Christie plays. Everyone loves a murder mystery. They do. And uh, so we thought that it would be a good one to be, you know, putting into our season. And so when we started thinking about who might be a good person to, you know, be looking at directing it, Hamish came to mind because we discovered that Hamish is quite an expert on Agatha Christie and actually does um, 
talks about Agatha Christie and and all her works and that. So he was the expert to bring in to be looking at the play so that he can find the little bits in there that we might not, you know, see ourselves. The Christification of it, yeah. Yeah, so he was the excellent choice and he he was more than willing to take it on. Great. So when did you go to Hamish with this uh this offer, this ask? Oh, I probably was in the just into the new year maybe or then uh, about. I'm not it, sure. Well, exactly. I know I I think from my perspective, it was actually when I was at the Agatha Christie conference. I went to the University mm-hmm. of Exeter uh, in the UK in um, late summer, and so it was it was it was right around then uh, that we because then I I think I came in to see you to talk about it when, right when I got back from England. Yeah, to do that. Yeah, so so yeah, so it's been a cu- couple of months, and then prior the, to yeah, yeah, and then we had the auditions, then the uh, the of course yeah. So yeah. you you emailed Hamish. He came in. You had a meeting. You had a chat, and. Uh, had you had anyone else in mind if Hamish said no, or were you pretty sure he was going to say yes to this? I think at that point in time, we were pretty sure that he would be interested. Hamish also sits on our board as a member at large. So he was at some of the meetings and some of the discussions oh, about okay, the place great. as well, I believe. And and so that's how we discovered that, you know, he was quite the expert on Agatha Christie. So I think it was, if he didn't take it on, we'd be looking at you know, others. But at that point in time, I think we were pretty sure that it was going to be Hamish. Yeah, no, that's, you've, you've built a great framework already. That mm-hmm. house isn't going to fall down. You've yeah. got a great setup um, with you there as a member at large. So you then got Hamish set aside. Did you get anybody else together for the production team in advance of then setting up to schedule auditions? My daughter, Emily, she's our administrator, but she's also our producer for all our plays. And so Emily was the one that you know, is looking into who's going to be working on it and who's available and checking with people. And she had gotten an email from a lovely lady that had moved here from BC that was looking for a theater company to, you know, get involved with. And so she put it out to her and said, hey, you know, we've got this production coming up. Would you be interested in in working with us? And she came in and had an interview with us and looked around the place. And uh, when was that? Was that also in the summer? Yeah, so it would have been maybe the end of August, beginning of September in that time period kind of thing. Great. Yeah. And so Kathy came in and then we, uh, yeah, we got Kathy involved. That's amazing. And what are you doing with this production, Kathy? I'm the stage manager. How is that? How are you finding the being the stage manager? For I this love role? being the stage manager. You do? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Certain personality types. Are Certain the ones personality. That love being the stage manager. Yes. They're not responsible for everything because that's the director's job. Right. My biggest job is to keep Hamish's thoughts and his creativeness alive after he has stepped back from opening night. Mm-hmm. And then you've got all the responsibility chasing all the actors yeah. around and the crew and making sure all the tech goes right. And I always find that the stage manager needs to be two things good with responsibility and attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And if you've got both of those two talents or skill sets lined up, you make a good stage manager. If you're not good at both of those things, you might just make an okay stage manager. <laughs> both of those and things are hands down. I think Kathy is very quintessential stage manager for exactly those reasons. She's really meticulous. Just her approach to every, oh, to getting great. all the details right and um, really, and like you say, interacting with the cast, but also having those thoughts about the staging of it, the the production, the, the the design, and those kind of things. Kathy's had a lot of a lot of really good input for that. What type of stage manager would you say you are? Are you like the mom stage manager, or are you like the general of the army sort of stage manager? There's lots of different words people can use. 
Well, here I'd probably like to be more known as the general. Back in BC, I have several t-shirts that call me the theater mommy, and they still get Facebook posts from my theater children. I've seen so many theater children Facebook posts. And they call me theater mommy. That's wonderful. Um, (laughs) And that's okay. I don't mind that at all because I have children of my own that were not yet, but they will be involved in theater. So it just falls into it, right? I just... There's a great picture of Kathy with, I believe, two of her kids all stacked on top of each other. It is the most adorable photo I have seen. I love it. It's a good it's a good photo. Yeah, that was for a play that we did at Surrey. And yep. No, they both produced and I did the set design and set deck for. Yeah. That's so cool. That's funny. So theater is definitely in the blood of most of the people here. Hamish, you've come to directing newly after having co-directed with Tiny Tim. Do you have much experience around directing previous to this production? The other thing I directed, just for myself really more than anything, I did a web series that was in 2019. And that was why I was really, uh, it was very fortunate for Tiny Tim's Christmas Carol to have Jackie there next to me because it really showed me a lot. I think doing that a two-person thing, and that was very generous of her because a lot of a lot of times directors just want to be alone. They want to do it. I'm the person. I'm the buck stops here. I'm the one who does everything. But Jackie very generously allowed me to share my my input, and I mean it was a very good experience because we had a terrific cast and we had our our differences of approach, which I think really s- synthesized into a really a really good production. When we're working together, it occurred to me, I, I think a lot of the old the Hollywood directors and uh, and Jackie is a very Hitchcockian director of being a very meticulous person and very about the script as it is written and portraying that script exactly right. Whereas I guess I was a little looser and I was kind of like, let's try to add things to it. I've been the same way as Kathy will attest on this one. And so I feel like a bit more of a Howard Hawksian director because Hitchcock famously had the movie basically storyboarded before he showed up on day one. And they would just do that. They would just do what the plan was. But Howard Hawks got with the actors. They kicked around a scene. They kind of just made it very free-floating and free-associating. And if, if there was something that they wanted to fix, they would change that. They would nip and tuck things as they were. And, and again, that was, that was the great thing of co-directing because it allowed us both to sort of build that play with both of those approaches. And I think it really worked very well there. Great. And now you let him run off, do his own thing and add his own little frills and polishes that are not in the script. I must admit on the sideline, occasionally I might say to him, Hey, hey, Hamish, like, did you look at, you know, what do you think of that? And let him, and I think it helps occasionally to get from other people around, like he's saying, like his cast and that getting opinions and stuff from them as they, what they think might work. But it's ultimately his decision. You can give him suggestions, but it's the director's decision. It's his as name to, on it. Yeah, yeah, as to, you know, which direction he's going with it. So you got Kathy involved mm-hmm. from an email to Emily as the stage manager. You yourself are involved. Who else makes up your production team and were they involved before auditions or? Well, Workshop, we've kind of got people that are in place. Like, like I said, Emily is our producer and has been for a number of years. She used to be our stage manager, but between that producing and being our administrator, it became too much. So that's when Kathy just showed up at the perfect time to be able to, you know, help us with that on, uh, you know, this production, the next couple of productions. I normally do the wardrobe for workshop. So I'm doing the wardrobe as well. 
props, we've got more or less everything we need for our props normally. We've got so many things. So we kind of just all pulled together and pulled the props in and, and got all the props all put With together. With 55 years of history, you definitely have enough costumes and props and paraphernalia doubtlessly strewn about. Do you have a random box of telephones? We do. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Yes. We've got <laughs> random boxes of all kinds of things. And it's, you know, somebody will say, oh, Maybe we should have this. And I'll say, well, hang on a minute. And I'll go around the corner into the props room and uh, come out with whatever it is that we've got. Now, I can't say that that's all the time. There's occasionally things we have to get. But, you know, in general, we try to use what we've got. That's why we have it, right? That's great. So you can use yeah. it. I've seen the Dudney space recently. Their last Calgary Acts meeting happened at the Dudney space. And so we got to go through their vault of storage stuff, too. And they have two boxes of phones. <laughs> Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Well, we've got a shelf with a number of boxes, but uh, well, yeah, we're shelved. And so I, I can't even imagine how many you must have after 55 years of operating as a community theater company. We've tried to purge over the last few years a few times because you run out of space, but you want to kind of hang on to the best of the best. So yeah, we've got we've got quite an array of stuff. Absolutely. So you've got a team built, you put out auditions, were they widely attended? How many people came out for auditions? Very, yeah, very. I mean, we could have really mm -hmm. cast the play two or three times over from the, the, the people who came. So that's the, the biggest heartbreak in some ways of uh, uh, like right off the bat is that you get so many people and, and picking the 10 or 11 you need is quite sad because you do see something good from everyone and you'd love to include everyone who comes out because they were, I mean, not a, not a bad one among them. So, I mean, wow. that's the, it is so lovely that, that uh, so many people came out because, I mean, I did have that sort of worry the week before, you know, what, what if nobody does come? Like, what mm -hmm. if we just don't have a cast and I have to, you know, call my neighbors and call my parents and, uh, and, and call my good friends and get them to go to the stage. Sorry, do your neighbors on. and parents do oh, no. theater? No, okay, not at all. So no, this is what this I mean. This was never going this, to happen. No, no, no. This was just a nightmare <laughs> scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just what if, what if we have no actors, but couldn't be farther from the truth because so many people did come out and do come out and, and it's just lovely to see. So how many people came out? 32. Oh, right. Okay. That's yeah, just totally. popped into yeah, my totally. head. There was yeah. 32. That's totally. amazing. Totally. And you cast 12. 11. Uh, 11. 11. Ended up being, well, that's a... well, there's one voiceover part. So I guess it, it ends up being 12 with uh, with Brent doing that. Hey, Brent, that counts. That's, oh, uh, that's a significant that's thing. But, that's and, and, and again, that was that was another thing where, where be, again, that was a, a an, an actor who gave a really good audition and there just wasn't that part for him. So I, I wrote a little extra thing to, for him to do as a voiceover. Uh, to so to find a way to include him and um, yeah so that was really good so now normally this sort of production you would see the same mm -hmm. actors do all three different parts that's one of the Definitely components of that and that, that is not what workshop is doing here somewhat my heart goes out to Evan Davies because I, he was he was really good gave really good auditions and I ended up giving him parts in all three oh, wow. plays so he he appears as as three different characters then amy appears amy bronson appears as two different characters we've got joel playing three different one is is not a, a speaking part uh but joel the, who oh joel weeder he's uh he was in treasure island in 2022 and uh i believe his first workshop show as yeah far i think as it's I his yeah. first that he's so, and that's a great thing too that, that we've got a lot of new people a lot Ed of debut Terry. people terry's playing a couple of roles who terry chung uh, mm -hmm. another a real he's a real stalwart uh, workshop person so so there's some doubling again because it's kind of nice to give people uh, a couple of things to do rather than just having the one thing and then and then uh, our uh, hercule poirot gino he 
appears a couple of extra times in the play outside of uh, the play that he's in. So, Well, that's great. So then you've got these 11, 12 actors put together for this production. What was your rehearsal process like? More or less your yeah. dates. It's three yeah. three days oh, a week. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's for um, sure. Yeah, so we just, yeah, we did the, 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 the kind of traditional two evenings, Tuesday, Thursday, and then a weekend day. We did Sunday, one to five. Uh so I, 10 hours I, a week. Yeah, and when did exactly, that start? Exactly. So we did the first read through the week after the auditions. And uh, we started the rehearsals, I think, a couple of days after that. So, it so was in really, September? Uh, no, no. Sorry. That was, uh, this was now November. We're now okay. November. Yeah. The auditions were 11th and 12th. So then the uh, the read through would be the 19th. And I believe the, uh, the uh, rehearsal started on the 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did four months of rehearsals for a play? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well... Yeah. I mean, they well, were no, Christmas. Yeah. No, we took some time off at Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. So the yeah. 10 days off at Christmas or so, but still, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. most of your musicals will be done in 12 oh, weeks. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, no. And you know what, Kyle, it's good you said that because I, I said that to Kathy uh, when we when we were breaking for Christmas, I said even the the time we have ahead of us from January to now yeah. is as much time as the previous workshop production Dracula had from first read through to being on stage. Yeah, what provoked such a long rehearsal process? We normally try and have nine weeks for putting any production together. Mm-hmm. Right. That, you know, that gives us time to tighten it up. And if there's anything that happens, you know, so we've got to move things around or whatever. But uh, that's the general, you know, number of weeks that we plan for rehearsals. But isn't this one like more like 14 to 16 weeks? I mean, if you take Christmas out of there and whatnot too, that's still um, and, and, Well, weeks, I think an interesting and an interesting thing to note about it uh, too is that because there are these three single act plays, it was quite important to give everyone, I mean, because even as we were going along, there were people in one play who would feel like, well, I'm only getting to really do the play one day a week because we kind of did we tried to do it like a play a night you know what I mean mm-hmm. so so that sort of thing of doing just practicing it once a week rather than three times a week while we were honing it and blocking it and things like that meant that like it was it was nice to have a longer period because the cast could do more goes at it before we really before we put all three plays together and did it as one thing so I think when I think did you it, first put all three plays together the first time we did a whole run of the whole show was right before Christmas holy and uh then that's, we, that's a lot then we did break it back down yeah do, do more play work on the individual plays and then I mean we were only doing regular runs of the whole show the last uh, six or seven rehearsals Something like that. The last three, let's say the last three weeks of uh, of the rehearsal period, with occasional sort of digressions into like, let's work on this scene, let's work on that play. Right. You're still uh, finessing and exactly. getting all those little exactly. itty bitty beat yeah. details. That makes for perfect sure. sense. For sure. Yeah. But that's a that's a really long yeah. rehearsal schedule. Oh, yeah, for sure. For, for sure. I know. For, yes. Exactly. For I, three as I one said, acts. I, I know. Yes. That's right. Kathy didn't believe me when <laughs> when I said that. When when I said we've got all these rehearsals ahead, we've got we've got six or seven. Like uh, you know, again, like I say, like there was that Christmas break, and then we came back in January, and we still had seven Tons of seven time. weeks. I yeah. think. Yeah. Tons of so, time. So so I mean, and, and and again, really, it was a was a benefit because. Is there a reason why? You did it that way? Well, just, I mean, I think just like, like you say, I mean, ja- I think Jackie tends to, all the workshop shows I've done have had about. I think that part of the reason that it seems like it's longer, like, you know, Hamish was saying is because Christmas was in the way. And even though, like when we planned it in the beginning, it was more that we were getting it auditioned and getting it casted. And then we were s- 
more or less in the beginning thinking that we would start come January for rehearsals, mm-hmm. but it was because we did have you know, the availability to do it. And Hamish wanted to start rehearsals. And I think the cast wanted to get going as well. So that's why in December, more or less, we started getting some rehearsals in there. So the initial, the initial is more or less when we do a, you know, a slot like that, where it's get it auditioned, and then we start it up a little later. So I think that, yeah, we added some more in there, just mainly because of, you know, the the time that we had and people wanting to get on it. Interest and availability. Yeah. yeah. And how was scheduling? There were a couple of actors who uh, who had other commitments, which I guess, I mean, like, like yeah, I think one, one actor didn't actually join us till after Christmas, In right? January. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, again, a, a real benefit to have those extra ones before because you're meeting everyone for the first time and then you've got to do that. But, and then, yeah, there were, there were the odd hiccups along the way. And obviously because of, because of Christmas. So did you schedule the whole thing and have an idea of what the things, the map of the schedule well, is going to look like a whole way through? Or were you not, week to week to week to yeah, week? Yeah, pre- pretty week to week, to be honest. Um, I mean, I tried to, to have that template play based on actors availability like one actor was only available on tuesdays starting out so we did that that play that he was in on tuesday and then you know and so so we kind of had those in place so generally people could be like okay well it's tuesday we're doing the wasp's nest thursday we're doing uh the patient i think was then no no thursday was the rats actually rats, sunday yeah. was and the patient because we had the patient yeah. yeah so so yeah so people kind of knew at all times what they were what they were doing. However, obviously things did change around and sometimes there were a few as there always are. So how long into the process did you realize that directing is like 55% scheduling? Oh gosh. Um, like, cause it seems like maybe, and I have some inside baseball knowledge cause I have friends in your cast that, uh, your scheduling was definitely a hardship at times. Oh yeah. And yeah, that yeah. knowing your schedule and doing the schedule uh, in a much more complete fashion, how would you, if you did it again, would you realize that, well, oh yeah, it, I need well, to schedule no, this? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think, I think there's some things you can't know. I mean, that's the ba- the basic thing. I mean, we didn't like things were based on the physical space we were in, which we, which we had some, some difficulty with. And, uh, so we had to just do, you know, what was that? What do you mean by some physical difficulty? Whoa. In, uh, November, we had our first batch of auditions on this Saturday. And then coming back for the Sunday, we arrive at our space. We have a an industrial bay that we work out of that we've got all our stuff and we've got rehearsal space. So we arrived there Sunday morning to find out that there is no power and there is no water and there's been a major water main break at the end of our complex. So we're now not able to get into our space. But I was able to get us into some other space for the rehearsals and that took uh we were without power and water for approximately six weeks so it was nice that it was over christmas because honestly we didn't have to be in there for all of it but we still had to we did some rehearsals in hamish's apartment um because he had lots of space there so we were able to well most actually all the tuesday thursday rehearsals were at my place and it, it was kind of i mean i think it was kind of good because it's a new place. I haven't, I hadn't decorated at the time. I've got a bit more stuff in there, but I think it did in a funny way approximate the experience of, uh, of the first play, the rats that these people are in this apartment that is unfamiliar to them. And they're, they're kind of around there. So it's kind of, you know, it's very seldom that you do have that thing of, you know, rehearsing in a place that is the exact place type of place that you're, that the play is set in, you know, if you're, the play is on a battleship. You don't often get out to go and rehearse on a battleship or do that kind of thing. I mean, and, and actually it did make those first few rehearsals 
I mean, that was what was very touching about the cast, that they all were very understanding and um, very accommodating of like, okay, well, we're here today. We'll be at the community center on, on Sunday. And, um, you know, let's just, uh, just, just work on our lines, work on things as much as we can. And so, I mean, that to your earlier question, that was the big difficulty. Week to week, we were just like, when, when will we know if the space is usable? Right. And, uh, and we didn't move into the space to rehearse until January. So, I mean, you know, so it was impossible to build a, a real firm rehearsal schedule until we had the space back. Again, it's those, these things that you can't predict when you're, when you're starting out on a production. What, what are the challenges you're going to face? But I think, uh, yeah, I do think it kind of enhanced those early few rehearsals and kind of made the cast bond a little more. So, uh, so yeah, I think they were, it was a positive experience on balance. It was lovely to come back to the space though. And really, because then we could put the set together, we could use actual props. We could kind of get people more thinking of the reality of the plays that they're doing, you know? What was hard about it for you? I think the hardest part of it for me was was trying to get the actors just to be more comfortable in a different space. A lot of them were used to being in the workshop theater, so they were familiar with that space. And moving to different spaces, I mean, it was good for me because I got to drive to different parts of Calgary that I've never been to. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it was hard for the actors to switch their heads Okay, okay, now I'm going to pretend that this is the couch, but there's a chair and we need two people. Well, we'll just put another chair, but it's not a couch. You're right. But, you know, we have to use what we've got. Mm. I mean, the cast was, was really good once they got going into it. It was almost too bad we had to go back to the workshop theater because they were developing new skills, I think, in, in being in the different spaces. For me, it, it was hard because I never knew where to look. I didn't know if I was looking at the actors and making sure that this is where they needed to be for that next section. Oh, right. Yeah. You can't record because any blocking. Because there's no, well, there there's a no wall pack. there and we can't go there, mm -hmm. you know, or the space is bigger, right? And so, oh, we're going too far. We have to bring it back. And so I found it kind of frustrating. The other thing that Hamus didn't mention, and I don't think it's a big deal, there it being... Christmas and New Year's and January, everybody gets sick. Totally. Yeah. And there was a lot of sickness that went through our cast. One of your cast members had to have their gallbladder removed. Exactly. So. And somebody else had a kidney stone. Yeah. Wild. So wild. But the thing is, I got to play everybody's part when they weren't there. So it helped me get to know everybody's part. So that was also a stumbling block of our rehearsals, right? getting through, well, they missed all of this. Now I have to tell them all they're blocking for that part. So we are like starting over again, the number of times we had to do that. That's, That's amazing. And, and actually on that note too, I mean, when we came back in January, it was so, there were those days that were so cold in January. So, I mean, there was a rehearsal where a bunch of people couldn't show up because they couldn't start their cars because, you know, they're yeah, we that, had to, yeah. uh, so, so, you know, yeah, yeah, like sickness, you know, weather, these things are all just... You know, you got to work around them, right? Mm -hmm. So, costumes. Yes. What was your vision for the show? Well, uh, chatting with Hamish, we, you know, choosing the era. So we're mid 30s. Now, these plays, one of them was actually originally set, I think, in the 60s. Yeah. yeah that's but, great. you know, Hamish decided that he would like to just stay to one era. So we're just staying with approximately 1932, 35-ish. And I love doing period plays. We've got a lot of period stuff. And I just, it's my favorite to do the period plays. 
So yeah, it was fun to to watch, you know, the the characters and see what they're like, and then uh, go up there and search through our our racks of of clothing. And uh, yep. everybody had a great time going up there and kind of pulling stuff out as well. So did actors kind of have a, a vision for themselves and kind of get to pick stuff that you then had a conversation with them about it? And was there color involved? How did you put together your vision board for the uh, the costumes? The actors would come up and we'd discuss exactly what their character is, if they've got, you know, movement maybe as to if they've got any restrictions, if they've got to have quick changes pockets, anything like that, and start pulling stuff. So it's kind of fun up there because they come up and I give them the free reign to look around and pull some stuff as well. Ultimately, in the end, we have an awful lot of stuff that is not usable, but they have fun pulling it out and I have fun looking at it. But um, it's funny because once you get it all together, it really is pretty basic. It's people in just everyday clothing more than anything. But Seeing the period part of it really gives it a different feeling. You know, you've got to be more focused on everything, like right down to hankies and gloves and hats and glasses and things like that. And I think as we started pulling stuff and everybody's trying it on and running down to show Hamish and see if he likes what they've got, I think it started to help them develop their characters once they've put on the costume. And that was, you know, relatively early on in the rehearsals that they're starting to put stuff on. And some would then bring things down with them for rehearsals and use their glasses, use their hats, their, you know, their gloves, their purses, whatever. And I I really think it helped them develop their characters. How did you differentiate the three different acts, the three different shows with the costumes? Was there anything that you kept in mind to say like, oh, we're going to more use more reds in this, this one here, we'll use more greens in this one here, or we'll use different sort of styles of uh, clothing? Well, obviously the men, we want them to look different. So as they've got, you know, their their suits on, maybe they're, you know, better dressed with a pinstripe or, you know, wearing sweaters to care, to differentiate the character. There are certain things with each production as to like the time of day or where they're going or, or you know, going to a cocktail party or if they're outside or, if, you know, they're just coming in from being out and about. So that's more the way that the the characters are defined. Like in the wasp nest, it's a, a summer's day in a garden. So therefore, they're dressed more like they're out and about in a garden. In the first one, they're dressed more formally. And obviously, in the patient, they're coming to a hospital. So it gives you the different, you know, ideas that way as to where they're, where they're going to. But as far as color goes, pops of color and more period type of coloring mm-hmm. rather than, you know, your, your vibrant, like like these kind of colors that we've got, you know, around us today. Some more period kind of colors. Oh, that's wonderful. And then for the stagecraft itself, for the set design and the set build, did you differentiate the three different acts? Or they have different sets or is it all pretty consistent with the same? Well, that's another thing that we've, we've worked a lot on. And I mean, because yeah, you go from an apartment to a hospital waiting room to a garden. And um, again, all credit to, uh, to Jackie and Kathy and uh, for really... You know, they've, they've brought out lots of set pieces that really sell those different locations. And um, again, that's kind of the magic of theater, isn't it? That you, that you bring out a, a vine, you bring out a few plants, and you change that sort of color of the light, make it a little warmer, and now you're outside rather than inside. Seeing it in, in the pump house with all the lights on it, I mean, it really, it really does uh, come alive in a, in a great way. And they, and they are all, to your question, very different environments. So yeah, they, they do, do kind of really differentiate that way. But we've only got 
the one set. You've got the walls and a door and a window. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to work with that for each one of them. And the last one being an outdoor scene, you can't have the same window with your curtains on the on Flip it. The so curtains to the other so side. we've got, yeah, curtains that are flipped to the other side. And, you know, so it uh, now you're looking into the house rather than outside, you know, from inside the house. Uh, so it's just things like that. that uh, That's brilliant. Yeah. And you're in the smaller pump house theater. That smaller theater provokes a lot of creative thinking when it comes to set design and set build, because it's a very unique way of having the actors get on and off stage. Has that been a difficulty or have you really managed that and know what you want to do in that space? It started that we had it, the set all put together and in one direction. And then it's just within a week that we flipped the set to the other side of the of the theater. Mm -hmm. So had to change a few things. I oh, think Hamish wow. had to, to look at some different entrances and exits, but I think it works much better. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But So uh, is the audience facing towards the pump at this point? Okay, yes, great. Yeah. I mean, that is the typical standard layout at yes, the, yeah. in that theater. It is interesting because Sylvia with Scorpio and then Morpheus's production of the Peacock season were both literally in the space leading up to this. So I have a, an interesting vision in my head as to what each of these different shows will inject into that space. What's the sort of atmosphere that you're looking for, for audiences to walk in and feel when they're first stepping in? I mean, definitely suspense is the big is the big thing with Agatha Christie. And I mean, yeah, it's that combination of kind of the the suspense, the stakes for the characters, that drama, but also the the like Jackie said, that the fun, the playfulness, the style of it. So I mean, I think I think it's a great combination because I think it has a very definitive stylistic aspect to it. And also tied with that drama really makes it very compelling. And, you know, some of the lighting things and things like that really make it a very thrilling show. I mean, even just even just seeing it, for, as you say, you know, as a director, you see it so many times. But I mean, for instance, yesterday in the in the pump house, like seeing it with the lighting coming together, the, the those transitions. Yeah, it just it, it really does. The atmosphere is very it's 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 got a very there's a very compelling mixture of of the thrills and the and the style of it, really, you know. Oh, that's wonderful. What are you looking forward to having audiences see with this show going up? I heard you ask that question in another podcast. So I was actually thinking about that. <laughs> that's good. And the biggest thing, because the audience has the longest time to see the first set. And it's kind of interesting because that is the set where if they actually look at things on the set... There's all sorts of different clues and things going on that set that they could probably write a murder mystery themselves. That's amazing. The things that Jackie's pulled out for some of the, just the decor and the things on the shelf are interesting. And, and if people are paying attention to the little things, they're really going to enjoy that first act very, very much because they're going to go, oh, I knew that was going to happen because I saw that. You know, something was going to happen with that. So it's kind of interesting. And, and I've the theater itself is is kind of interesting to me. I've, of course, not done any theater there. Right. I've only seen one show in that particular, in the Joyce Doolittle. So I was like confused. Well, how are we going to put a play in here? Like, <laughs> is our set going to fit? I know I went to Jackie after I'd seen a play there. I went, our set's not going to fit in there. She goes, yes, it is. No problem. And of course it does. And there's more room than I thought. So 
it's kind of um, special and interesting for me to be involved in this yeah. this way. What do you think of the view from the stage, from the sound booth, from the booth? I've never had a side view before. Right. So that will be interesting. I'm not really sure. I've never actually even called a show from the booth before. Wow. I've always called a show from backstage. All the theaters that I've been involved in from New Westminster, White Rock, Surrey, Langley, Mission, Abbotsford, the stage manager is always backstage and just in constant communication with the people in the booth right. so that you can call the show, but then you're also in control of everything backstage. Mm -hmm. But there's no ability for a stage manager here to see the stage. Yeah. And I thought, well... Do I really need to see it or can I just hear it? <laughs> but there are certain things that happen that I do need to see. So I have an excellent assistant stage manager that I will be in communication with the entire show, making sure that things go right backstage um, for props and actors being ready and that kind of a thing. No, you got to trust those actors. That's exactly. a big thing in Calgary is those actors, they need to know when they have to go on stage. Nobody else is going to tell them to do it. These actors that we've got, though, are wonderful. They're just a charming, close-knit group. I had a real mom moment last night. We were finishing up lighting and sound stuff, and they said, we're just going to go in the dressing room and run, run lines. And I said, yeah, go. So we'd finished, and I walked in there, and they were about the last two pages of the three acts. And in that part, there's only two people, but everybody was there. It was such a, it was a mum proud moment to see them all supporting each other, you know, being yeah. there for each other. They didn't all go home until it was all done. Yeah. It was really nice. No, my, I'd heard that they'd actually been dismissed and then they took it upon themselves to mm -hmm. run their they own said, Italian. They go run lines. <laughs> yeah, sure. You want to work on it even yeah. more? Yeah. By all means. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> what is it that uh, is, you're hoping that audiences see, Jackie? in seeing this show? Well, I hope they come away with it that, first off, that there's some great productions and plays that are, that are you know, from the past that, that are good now. Like, it's not that you have to have, you know, a, a current play. You can, you can pull the things from the past and, and they're really as good now as they were then. They still hold, you know, modern day problems and feelings from people. It's, it's the same as it was. And I just hope they come away with, you know, the thought like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to be it. Like, you know, hmm, I, I missed that. And that was interesting, because that's not where I thought it was going. And with the idea that, hey, we kind of maybe fooled them a little bit on this, and they want to come back and see some more. So our intent always is to entertain and have you going away, you know, happier than when you arrived, and that you want to come back and see more from us. I just wanted to add to, to Jackie's thing about uh, Agatha Christie being a very timeless writer. And also, I, I, I guess to Kathy's point, like for me, the big thing was the casting and getting that cast and crystallizing the play around the cast. And so, and what I did for all of them was uh, I said to them, I mean, we're not going to go over this. This isn't going to be a feature of the rehearsals, but think about who your characters are, you know, what their life story is, who they, you know, where, where they were before the play started. They're not just the inspector, the doctor, whatever, the suspect. So I think, and I think that really comes through, they are all very fully 
three-dimensional people and i think that like like jackie said like that's that's a really great thing of of the plays that that i think that that they bring home that reality of it you know it's not just the stock murder mystery there's also some sort of real emotion and things like that okay so for your current question with what they'll miss i think this is a, a really good reason to see the play twice maybe even three times is that certainly in the in the second play where you have a large group of people on stage all at the same time once you know who did it once that that solution is like you can you will go back and you could be able to see each person reacting to the information as it's revealed to things that are going on and how they look at each other and and see those relationships they have that are off stage so i think like you know each actor even the even the background people they're all having their story and they're all like this person's looking at that person because of their secret relationship and that kind of thing. So I think those are the kind of things that that are are very enriching to come back for to see um, to see what you missed and and like Jackie said, knowing who did it in, in in all three plays, seeing like oh that's I it's right there. There were these and like Kathy was saying, there's there this was on the shelf the whole time. There was that there, you know. So I think there's lots of little details that you know i hope the audience does does pay attention to and uh, and does get a get a kick out of seeing so okay you haven't been able to share specifics about what the audience is going to get to see and i understand it's a murder mystery you don't want to spoil but people are listening to this in order to get a semblance and understanding of what this show is going to be about so what is it that audiences are going to take away because good art should necessarily change the viewer We're not putting this up just solely for entertainment, because we can get that in a myriad myriad different ways. There's something about live theater that provokes something in the audience that gives you that element of catharsis and change and an opportunity to look things differently, no matter what it is, whether it's the silliest pantomime or the most serious of plays. What is it about the rule of thumb that will necessarily change an audience's perspective? One thing it has done for me personally has made me pay attention to more of my surroundings. Mm. Like going to the mall, and if I decide to sit down and have a coffee or lunch, I pay more attention to the people and what's going on around me so that if something surprising happens, I'm not going to miss it. Or if the baby falls and mommy doesn't see it, or if this couple are going to come to blows because they're having an argument, just paying more attention to my own surroundings. Even sitting in my backyard with the dogs out, they always seem to know when somebody's coming and start barking before I can see them. But now I know, because I've been paying attention to the surroundings, how do they know? I know now, and I can get them in before they start to bark most of the time. And and this play has made me just be aware of my surroundings because of the things that we've had to introduce to the play and what the characters are dealing with and paying attention to, oh, I missed that look. I got to watch that for next time. And Hamish said, did you see that? And I'm going, damn, I missed it again because my nose is in the book. Right. You're just trying to make sure we're yeah. saying the right So words. it's made me try to be more aware of my own personal surroundings. Oh, that's great. How about for you, Jackie? Relationships between people might not always be what you think they are. That, Mm. you know, they may look like they're happy, they may look like everything's okay, but it may not be. And so maybe that's one of the things that, you know, just pay attention to, you know, the way people are presenting, because it might be a bit of a cover. And you might have to, 
you know, look a little deeper to see what's really going on with right. them. So there's a lot of things that are happening underneath the surface. Yeah. That you yeah. can be more it may not, observant it, of. Yeah, it may not be as it appears on the surface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I mean, uh, I think, again, that Agatha Christie, like, like Jackie said, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that really does have continued resonance and uh, and and is, is continually applicable to uh, to the genre of, of mystery and and like yeah to the the real world I mean when I said I was I, I was with a friend and I said I was doing this play and and he had that sort of rather you know the the very pat attitude of like well you know they're, they're just these whodunits the only thing that's really important is like who the murderer was but like I think there's so much more to how she wrote and how the actors have brought those characters to life. So I think that reality, like I was saying, the the sort of, I mean, sometimes they're not sympathetic characters too. Like certainly in the first play, there's a, a real bitterness to the central relationship that is uh, is very compelling to watch. And so, yeah, I think like Jackie said, like there's a lot to uh, to say about, about people's relationships and about... Um, you know, not exactly trust no one, but but uh, but you know, there there's secrets. Everyone conceals secrets in the play, but also there's, and that's actually the nice thing about the order that the plays go, because the wasp's nest, after two plays that are more, they're a little darker, harder edged. I find it a very redemptive play, and certainly uh, Poirot's last monologue uh, is is very touching because there's a bit of that uh, aspect of the detective as the as the father confessor as kind of the redeemer you know that he's he's actually made the community a bit better and he's he you know he's uh, he succeeded in a very a very affirming uplifting way so i think it's a very a very positive note to leave the play on well theater makes a community better as well mm-hmm. And this production is only running until March the 2nd, which gives you nine opportunities to come and see these actors strut and fret their hour upon the stage before it is heard no more. There's been a lot of good reasons to come and see this production just from the the semblance of getting to see a whodunit, from getting to see and open up your own perceptive abilities to see more and to witness more, but also to see the relationships as they are portrayed on the stage and theater exists in but a short semblance of time there's not much beyond this once this show is done they tear the sets down and they put them back in the workshop (laughs) of workshop bay so you must take the time to come out and see this production because theater matters and what people are doing here and the effort that they've put into it. I don't know if you can tell it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of hours and that's just the actors on the stage committing to their lines and committing to these Italian runs and committing to this entire process, let alone the vision of the people I'm sitting with today. So thank you for taking the opportunity to go and see workshops production of the rule of thumb. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks.